is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with John Breglio, we continue the conversation on human characteristics. His book, I Want to Be a Producer, How to Make a Killing on Broadway or Get Killed, Avoiding Burnout and His Favorite Books. So I hope you enjoy part two with John Breglio. And common themes of human characteristics, because this is such a collaborative art form. Do you have, have you seen some common themes among the people you collaborate with or standout behaviorals or ways of being? Well, you got to, there, I think in a way you have to d- distinguish between the uh, artists, the creative team, and the, um, the business people. Yeah. Uh, collaborating, let me talk about by, by um, business people. Uh, uh, the ones I'd like to go to are experienced, mm-hmm. uh, educated about the theater, is what I really mean. They know what it's like to produce a Broadway show. They know the pitfalls, they know the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who are willing to collaborate in the sense that they listen to each other and are willing to make compromises when it comes to whatever it is, um, the, the, the advertising, marketing, promotion, the things that business people have to do. Um, uh, collaboration is very important. And one of the things I feel strongly about is when I produce, I want to make sure that I have the bare minimum of partners who have a say, yeah. a control. I'm sure you and many of your listeners go to the theater and you look at the program and you look above the title where presumably the producers are listed and there are 45 names. Yeah. Now, the fact of the matter is of those 45, maybe one, two, three, four really have any legal control over the production. All those other people are given credit because they put up a certain amount of money and they have no control, okay? But the idea that people need 45 people to invest and put the name above tells you something about the economics, but not about the control. So the one, two, three, four people who that you collaborate with, those are the ones I'm talking about that you have to be absolutely certain you can trust, that they're loyal, that they're educated, and that they're willing to be open to listen to you when you have different points of view. And that's how you collaborate with business people. Mm. On on artistic, it's much more complicated. Uh, you cannot expect that um, uh, our artistic the artistic temperament, by definition, is going to have foibles and eccentricities and difficulties. Yeah. Uh, there's never, never. I mean, I've always said, and I, don't, I think it's a truism, when a show is being developed and it starts going into audition rehearsals. And anyone says to me, oh, things are going brilliantly. It's so wonderful. We haven't had one argument. I say, well, okay, you're in trouble. Because uh, that, that out of that comes nothing but some bland, you know, uh, boring product. The, the, the give and take between artists is critical. And it un, almost without exception leads to serious, sometimes friction fights, whatever, that sometimes come apart and they should come apart. Other times it's just destructive, um, destructive stuff that you as producer, this is what you as producer have to be attuned to. And when you see that, that's when you intervene and say, hey guys, you know, you're all brilliant, you're all great, but this kind of um, friction is not helping the process. You gotta come together. And if you think it's important enough to keep these people together, that's your role because artists can come apart at the seams and then the work suffers. So you have to identify artists 
who obviously are brilliant and wonderful and do what they do. But ultimately, uh, if they get um, a little crazy, you can bring them under control. There are artists, but people just don't deal with them anymore because they have gotten into so much trouble in collaboration. And you learn. I mean, I never hire someone or work with someone or even cast someone unless I do my homework. Mm. And I try to find out whether that person is a, a bad actor you know, actor in, in, in the generic sense, do they make trouble? Mm -hmm. And particularly in casting, you have to have a great casting agent who's experienced. And before you hire someone, you say, do you know this actor? Is he or she a bad boy backstage, a bad girl? Because yeah. one or two bad eggs backstage in a show can hurt the whole company. And you always want to have a leader, you know, if it's a star, it's the star who keeps the company together because the tension back there in the long run is palpable, you know, for a lot of reasons. So I always like to do my homework. If I don't know the individual myself, I do my homework and I find out whether this person is someone you can work with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. There are some people in this business who are such geniuses, so phenomenal that you take what you get and you're not going to turn them down. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jerome Robbins had, you know, reputation of being very difficult. Would I ever say no to a show that Jerry Arbins wanted to do if he was locked today? Never, never. Mm. Uh, Arthur Lawrence has a very difficult reputation. He's dead now, but Arthur was a brilliant writer. Michael Bennett was sometimes a, a nightmare, but would anyone say no to Michael Bennett? No. So you can mention certain people uh, that no matter how difficult they may be, you're going to accept the the risk because of their track record but that's different from the the average person who comes by who you don't really know and you want to make sure you can work with them and that includes writers and mm -hmm. you know and, and in addition to directors and designers although designers normally cause that kind of friction yeah yeah, I read your book that I want to be a producer, how to make a killing on Broadway or get killed. <laughs> I'm curious if there's a particular most rewarding moment from creating that book or what it has done for you, because it has done a lot for others. Oh, in writing the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, uh, look, my objective to write that book was to be helpful. Uh, what you just said is works it means enormous amount to me because that's why i did it for someone like you or anybody else who says that has been so helpful in my life or my career or whatever uh i wanted to share my experience i mean without putting too fine a point on it there aren't too many people even left other than myself and handful of others who have been around as long as i have who've seen so much and it is um, a sin for me not to impart that information. So I sat down and said to myself, how can I do that without just writing some turgid, you know, boring, you know, uh, uh, book? And maybe it still is. But uh, uh, what I thought was, let me intersperse it and combine it with my anecdotes, my real life experiences in the theater with a lot of famous people that everybody knows so that I could demonstrate after every chapter that was somewhat dry about how to hire someone, an example. So it gave you a real life example of what I was talking about in the more instructive parts. That was my objective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
no one makes any money on these books. I had never intended it to make money, but I intended it hopefully to get a wide enough dispersion. So as I said, students, I mean, it's read all over the country now in drama classes um, in seminars and, uh, uh, you know, convocations, whatever, where people are trying to learn all over and, and in uh, universities. So in the academic world, it's out there, certainly in the professional world, uh, people uh, have passed it on more and more to people. I, I still get, you know, three years later, uh, a lot of emails from people who say it changed their, their view of so much and they learned so much. And, um, and I, I also wanted to be blunt about all the things we're talking about here, mm -hmm. the high risk. And, and that's why the subtitle, you know, how to make a killing on Broadway or um, get killed. Um, that's, that's as true as any statement I can make. Uh, I wish I could say most of the time you make a killing, but as we know, the majority of the time, maybe you don't get killed, but you certainly can lose a lot of money. Do you have I'm any- trying to make, trying to make people aware of the pitfalls in my book of how maybe you won't lose that much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, and I hear exactly what you're saying. I'm curious, you've been, you have been in this industry for an extensive amount of time. Have there been any personal lessons you've learned to keep yourself going or to balance your life on the work or to take a moment, I don't know, meditation or journaling, or is there anything that keeps you not burning out? <laughs> Uh, it's funny you use the word burnout because last night at this cocktail party, we were talking to someone, they, they were asking me similar questions. You said, God, you know, how did you deal with it when you were, you know, at the height of your career and you had all these clients and you were helping people produce them? I said, well, I look back on it and I don't understand how I did it many times. You know, I would get up at 630 or so in the morning. I'd go to the gym. Uh, not all the time. I wasn't all that successful in keeping up, but I tried to. Yeah. Uh, then I went to the office, usually earlier than everybody else, because I had calls to London. Uh, and then I worked through usually a business luncheon and then all the way through till five, six, seven o'clock at night. And then I would go out uh, with my wife to openings or to other shows I wanted to see or dinners with clients. So I really had a, a, a day from 6.30 in the morning until maybe midnight. Uh, non-stop. And when I look back and that, I don't know how I did it. I really don't. I mean, clearly I was younger and I could do it. I was running on adrenaline and, and I was having most of the time, pretty good time, <laughs> a lot of problems. Uh, but um, you can only keep that up for so long. And then you have to start making some choices um, and what you will or will not do. So I started getting off. I was on a lot of boards, things like that, and not for profit and not making as many uh, speeches or, you know, uh, it just wasn't something I could continue to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really um, don't look back um, feeling regretful of much of anything because I had the, the great advantage of having a legal practice in one of the best law firms in the world. But at the same time, it was a unique practice where I got involved intimately with the creative process, particularly on producing. So I had many people who were producers who came to me and said, I really don't know what I'm doing. I've got the money, I've got some people, I love the project, you know, as my lawyer, so I was being paid, you have to help me through the process. And that was very fulfilling. And that's what ultimately led me to leave my practice and be a full-time producer myself. 
because uh, I that was what I really wanted to do. And specifically, what was so great about all this was that as I was being paid as a lawyer and observing all this, I got to learn the most from those people who sadly did not succeed, who failed. Because I've always said it's a lot more important to understand the lessons from people or projects that don't work that have failed than it is on the big success because on the big success there it is it's making money you look at it it's great and you wish you could have something like that too but the ones that fail often you look at and say well you know why it's so clear now in hindsight why they didn't work producers didn't know what he was doing they didn't develop the project well enough they charged too much or the set was more important than the material. I mean, there's so many things you learn in hindsight with flops. And then you hopefully take that as your lesson book. And that's what you learn from. And I had the enviable position of doing that for decades and being able to catalog all that in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. So when I started doing it myself, I could pull that card out of my memory box and say, you remember that show? Don't do that. Yeah. Out of all of this, is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear? Incorrect. Incorrect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something you keep hearing and you're like, that's not right. <laughs> well, that's probably the title of a Noel Coward song. Don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Great. <laughs> great song. If you don't know it, listen to it. It's a yes. great song. And you can imagine what he means. Um <laughs> I don't know. There's not one incorrect thing. The most important thing is if you don't have passion, Hmm. passion and the need to do this business as a producer, as an actor or something, if that is not an all abiding part of your psyche, you should not be in the business because it's too hard. And when you fail, it's too difficult. If you didn't say to yourself, well, at least I did cliche i did what i love and what i did for love i mean that's so much part of what a chorus line is if you don't have that burning passion don't do this it's it it, you should stay away um it's just too hard i mean i say this to actors all the time um some young person says well i don't know if i should become an actor or not i said then you shouldn't because you don't know people who have to be actors don't ask that question they have to be an actor yeah. And maybe they'll find out at some point when they try, they they just fail. But that's what you have to say. If you're second guessing and say, oh, well, maybe I am an actor. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I should be a lawyer. Maybe I should be a... Yeah. Don't do it. And likewise, for a producer, unless you have enormous passion for the project you're doing, don't do it to make money. Please. They just aren't enough shows that make that much money. You're not going to make that much money. If by some miracle, I don't know how it happens, you're involved in... Hamilton. Yeah. Right. But if you start going into it thinking you're going to make a fortune, nobody who started with Hamilton and the workshop down to the public theater thought this would be anything like it. nobody, nobody, nobody with the chorus line ever thought of it in a million years that that was going to be some huge success. It's this crazy show where these 17 actors just start talking to everybody. From I mean, nobody yeah. um, up until when it opened downtown, um, the two people who uh, owned all the not only ran all the theaters, the Schubert's, Bernie Jacobs and Jerry Schoenfeld, privately in their limo coming back, was still questioning whether it would work on Broadway. 
this is after it opened downtown. They weren't sure, but they said, well, we'll take a chance. Take a chance. <laughs> it's single-handedly turned around the fortunes of the Schubert Empire. Single-handedly, of course, I did. Yeah. But they were still seeing, saying, well, it was maybe too small, then long, and, yeah, big Broadway stage. Yeah. Everybody's a genius, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's the one word I have to leave you with, that passion is undeniably the critical component for anyone who wants to do anything in this business. Mm. Do you have a favorite book, most gifted book, uh, anything in particular? <laughs> Any kind of book? Yeah, on life, in the industry, the one you've written. <laughs> yeah, the one I've written. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, in the industry, I got to mm. tell you, it's I can't say it's my favorite, but I just finished reading Mary Rogers' book okay. called Shy. It's her biography as told to Jesse Green, the critic for the New York Times, theater critic, uh, it's fantastic. It's 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 the most revealing, blunt, outspoken biography, just about anything I've ever read in the theater. It's amazing from when she was born up until she, when she died you know, five years ago. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also recently, in the last several years, read a biography of um, Mike Nichols that came out, and that's one of the great biographies, you're interested in the theater. But of course, the one that everybody has to read, if you have any interest in the theater, uh, an old oval called Act One yes. by Moss Hart. So anybody of your listeners, anybody who loves the theater, it's an old book, but that is the ultimate backstage, wonderful um, biography, Moss Hart, and uh, it, it rivals you know, next to one of my favorite films of all time, All About Eve, and telling you about the theater. I would say Act One is probably the best book of all times about the theater. That's a that's. Oh, a you know the other good one that's recent is uh, Putting It Together by James Lapine. He just did a yeah. wonderful book with um, helped with Stephen Sondheim before he died on on putting together the Sunday in the Park with George. Great, great book if you're a, a theater person, you know. And um, you know, it, it, other than theater books, you know, I'm a John Irving fan. Uh, yeah. I love Charles, Charles Dickens. Yeah, there's a lot of other, I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation has been so special. I have one final question, which you may have already answered before we wrap up today. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? I'm not sure of the question. For anyone to come see? Yeah, what do well, you mean? A, a word or a phrase or a quote of on life or on the industry, if you could metaphorically put it on a billboard, it's an important thing for many people to see. Do you have a particular phrase that you would like to get out there? Oh man, uh, there's so many. One that comes to mind is uh, the, the one that's in every program of a chorus line that Michael uh, Bennett said, which is, and now I'm, I'm going to fracture it, but if I look it up or you look it up, I'll look it's it something up. like, um, uh, dedicated to anybody who ever put themselves on the line, mm-hmm. something like that, which of course is what chorus line is putting themselves on the chorus line. You know, it's a show dedicated to that, and anyone who dedicates himself who's willing to put himself on the line, and that means what does that mean? You know, risk, um, trying to make it. You know, uh, understanding everything, but still saying I'm going to try. 
I think it's a great quote for people, particularly if people are trying to figure out whether what they should do in their lives. Put yourself on the line. At that, you know, we only do that. We used to get. Um, Michael got particularly a wonderful uh, letter from a football player soon after Chorus Line opened, who said, I, I don't like musicals. I don't understand musicals, but I just saw your show, Chorus Line, is one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen because it taught me why I had to be a football player. Because uh, he, he realized he put himself on the line, the uh, 50-yard line, and he realized what the show says, which is be true to yourself. I mean, that's another quote, you know, be true to yourself. Yeah. If you can be true to yourself, and also you put yourself on the line. I mean, those things are what resonates. Uh, and it's important in today's world when uh, it's a very Me Too world. I'm not using that in the Me Too movement play, but very, you know, egocentric these days. And, and we need to, and, and the internet and, and being on our phones and everything else doesn't help that because it's very internal. And we need to do more of communicating to other people and embracing them what they want to do and who who they are so that's sort of my ideas about that i love that john this has been such a great conversation thank you for taking the time you're welcome people of the world john breglio you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 